Morning. Morning. How's everybody? Good. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, I wanted to reiterate a little bit of what Mario had just said. And, uh, you know, being a father is probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. Just, I love being a dad. I love it. Not all the time. <laughs> but man, I love my children. And I got a new daughter-in-law, and I love her too. And, uh, but this is real life, right? So um, I know if we're talking real life, Father's Day might be hard for some of you. Some of you might have a dad that's not very good, and you didn't choose that. But here's what I know on Father's Day. We got the ultimate father and the best example, and that's God himself. So I'm fortunate enough, I, don't have, I had a great father, human father, but I know people that didn't, and maybe you're one of them. And with that, on Father's Day, I don't want Father's Day to be painful for you. I want you to look at your heavenly father. And I'm going off script here, I came up with... Uh, a, a, a prayer wow. a, 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 a prayer that uh, I'm not a great prayer and uh, so I, I, I got this out of, out of the best prayer book known to man which is the Bible and it's Paul gives a prayer to uh, the church in, in Ephesus and I think this is really appropriate for Father's Day and a little bit about what we're going to talk today and it's out of Ephesians 3 16 19 and it's I ask the Father in his great glory to give you the power to be strong inwardly towards his spirit. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide how long, how high, and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God, your Father. So, I'm like trying to figure out why Troy and Heather asked us to I've never, I've never done this before. I, my wife's done this numerous times in chapel and stuff, so I'm way out of my comfort zone. I mean, way out of my comfort zone. Um, and uh, You've wrecked me, so I'm way out of my you're comfort zone. <laughs> so, so um, you know, when we got asked to do it, my wife said yes, and I'm like, Whoa. you know, I like, I'm one of these guys, I like to... I like to measure six times and then cut and you know all that stuff and she's like we could do it and I go okay and I like, okay came out of my mouth and I'm like what what you know and uh, you know we're just a couple people trying to get through life like you guys are right I mean we're we're older than everybody in the room we've made a bunch of mistakes we're, we're clearly not perfect um, but we we do love God and and we do try to uh, love Jesus with all, all our heart soul mind and strength. And, and my wife said, said to me, she said, um, 
let's have some courage. We can do this. And I'm like, oh, man, that word for a man, that's like, okay. Right? And so I, I, I went deep for this one. I went deep for what courage means. Okay. So those of you that are young in the room, you're not probably going to know who this guy is, but there's this guy named John Wayne. Okay. He was like the Tom Cruise back in the day. They might he, not know who Tom Cruise is. Not, <laughs> well, anyway, so he was like this big Western cowboy, cowboy star, right? Just action, war movies, you know, cowboy guy all the way. He won an Academy Award for True Grit, which was, a, you know, he did the first one as, before the second one that you might have seen. Anyway, so just this cowboy guy. And so they asked him about courage one time. And here's what he said, because he's a cowboy. He said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. So we're saddling up. <laughs> so, um, but really why we're here is, is, you know, it's a little bit of what Mario said, you know, we're, we're called to make disciples, you know, in the early church, they didn't have the Bible yet. Um, they just had firsthand accounts. I mean, what a way to, to spread that, the word and spread the truth. And, uh, you know, but we're still charged with making disciples, you know, and, and we're the church. So that's why Kathy and I are here today. Yeah, and I love that um, Troy trusts us, may not again, um, but that we're, that none of us are experts, and I think it was Troy that said before, maybe someone in here that, you know, church isn't a spectator sport, and I think for a long time, um, we've been consumers and just watching, and so that we're up here, any of us could be up here, we're just sharing God's word together as a family, and that feels really good um, and takes the pressure off too but so this morning's message it's funny I was reading someone left this in my guest room I don't know maybe I I don't think I, I don't buy souvenirs so I went to this when it was a fifth grade field trip or something to the science center the Titanic exhibit but this just showed up in my guest room which is funny and now I go Lord did you plant this a long time ago because <laughs> no one's claimed it and I was like I don't ever remember anyone mentioning this but so I was looking through it one day as I was cleaning and I found this book and so I read through all the pages and if any of you have seen the movie Titanic, right? Who has not familiar with the Titanic? Okay, thought so. Um, but I started reading this and a while ago and it really struck me and it stuck with me. So when we were preparing this message, I said, oh, I think there was something in that Titanic book. So I'm just gonna read you a little piece. Um, beneath the starlit sky, it was getting colder. It was about 7.30 p.m. and the temperature outside was 39 degrees. Um, the Titanic's wireless room intercepted a message from the Leyland Freighter Californian to the eastbound Atelian. So it wasn't even for the Titanic, but they intercepted this communication. It reported three large icebergs and they gave the longitude and latitude um, and it was, uh, let's see, 19 miles north of the Titanic's course. So they 19 miles away still. Harold Bride said he took the message to the bridge and handed it to one of the officers, although he was later unable to remember which one. Meanwhile, Captain Smith, who was the captain of the Titanic, was still um, being entertained by some of the first class um, passengers. So while this message first came out, miles and miles away, and he was eating and drinking with the first class folks. Within an hour, the temperature dropped to 33 degrees and the water temperature was even less than that. 
Um, just later on, uh, a junior wireless operator named Harold um, also decided to take a break pre before preparing himself for the rush of late night messages. So the wireless apparatus was manned solely by Jack Phillips. At 9.40 p.m., Phillips took a message from the westbound SS Masaba, the Masaba to Titanic, and all eastbound ships, and this was the message. Ice report at latitude and longitude, they gave it. Um, saw heavy pack ice and a great number of large icebergs, also field ice. Weather is good and clear. Because the land station at Cape Race in Newfoundland was now within range, Philip was apparently preoccupied with transmitting messages that had accumulated during the day. So when they were out of range, but now they're close to land and they're intercepting all these messages, probably passengers sending messages, messengers coming in, so they had all these messages. Consequently, the message from the Masaba was put to one side and never delivered to Captain Smith or the bridge. It was a fatal oversight. For the warning pinpointed the precise spot where the Titanic met its doom. Yet even if the messages had reached those in authority, there is little to suggest they would have acted upon it. The Masabas was the sixth ice warning, the sixth that they had received, that was received by the Titanic that same day. If locations given had been properly charted, it would have immediately become apparent that the Titanic was heading straight to the vast belt of ice stretching 78 miles across her path. Instead, it seems that most of the warnings were casually dismissed from the bridge when an air of complacency reigned. And I thought about the 1,500 plus lives and the multiple messages um, that were sent that were not heeded because people had become complacent. They heard the message so many times and they did nothing. And then I thought about our story uh, or our passage today. And I thought, what if they had done things differently? Um, what would the outcome have been if they weren't complacent? So we're going to read uh, our passage for today, which is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 5, 11. And it is in living in light of Christ's return. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, the, those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage, encourage one another with these words. And then chapter five. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people, people are saying peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly, 
as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So what do we not know from this passage? Well, one thing we don't know is we don't know when Jesus is going to return. So Paul says in verses 1 and 2 in chapter 5, we don't even need to write to you regarding the dates and times because the Lord will return like a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming back. So here are some of the things from these verses that we do know for sure. Um, there is a res resurrection from those who are in Christ, and the references you see are from the Thessalonians passage. Didn't do them in order, which would have been convenient. Um, through Christ, we receive salvation and not wrath from God, so that when Jesus comes, there should be a comfort for, for those of us who are in him that there isn't wrath for us, um, but we will have salvation. Um, number three, we will be given signs to know the time is close. And when Paul said, you know, we, we should pay attention to the words that Jesus said, I thought, huh, what are the words that Jesus said? So I went back to look at some of the Gospels and grabbed a passage from Matthew. So if you want to, turn to Matthew 24, 4, um, because we were told we're going to be given signs when the time is close. So here they are from Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still not come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death. And you will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will go, grow cold but those who stand firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we're to watch for the signs, to know that the time is close, 
Many will, will be surprised by Christ's return. They'll be eating and drinking, just like the captain of the Titanic and other people. Um, in the Titanic, they, the, I'm sure this was portrayed in the movie, if you remember the detail that the band was still playing as the ship was sinking, that actually happened um, to probably distract the passengers from the doom, but also people were still, even as it's sinking, were in denial that the ship could actually go down. So we will be surprised. Many will be at Christ's return, and the consequences will be forever. They will be eternal. And so those are some of the things that we do know, do know about Christ's return. So, so what should we be doing now in light of Christ's coming return? Well, we need to be ready and we need to be watchful. In Mark 13, 28 and 29, Jesus talks about the fig tree and he says, Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. As the twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. But we talked about earlier, Paul said, we never know the date and time that Jesus is going to come back, right? But Jesus said there's going to be like the fig. The twigs get tender and its leaves come out. So do we know when it's happening? No, we don't know when it's happening. I bet back in the 1300s when they had the bubonic plague, you know, the Black Death, they called it, where, you know, one of the greatest plagues that ever hit mankind and humankind. I bet you the Christians thought Christ was coming back then. Right? Or how about in the early 19th century or mid-19th century, we had two world wars. The entire world was at war. Not once, but twice. Within 30 years of each other, right? So I bet you the Christians then were saying Christ is coming back. But what we do know is Christ is coming back. We just don't know when. So also in Luke, Jesus said, be dressed and ready. Right? You need to be ready to go. Can't be in your pajamas. <laughs> right? Like men waiting for their master to return. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And that's in verse 40. So what did it say and what was Paul saying to his church in Thessalonica? He said in, in verse 18 on chapter 4, encourage each other. Are we encouraging? Or do we talk smack behind each other's back? Right? Do we not like something? Or are we encouraging? Is encouraging your first go-to? Be self-controlled, right? In chapter 5, it talks about being sober, right? So there are times in my life I have not been. Okay. What, what happens when you're not sober? Your decisions are clouded and not sometimes can be bad ones, right? But being self-controlled, being clear-headed, right? And then he also talks about, in verse 8, put on faith and love as your breastplate. So I thought, how, how am I going to describe this? So in my previous career, I was a police officer, and we wore these, right? 
why would you wear this? You would wear it, why? Because the potential or the probability of you getting attacked is pretty good, is really good. And inside here, because sometimes the world is tough and will throw things at you, and it will, you get an inside breastplate. And where does this cover? It covers your heart. Because your heart is your faith and your love in Christ. This is the most important thing. Not just physically, that's, but, you know, look at how long ago this was written. They had no idea of bulletproof vest. Sure, they had armor and some other things in the Roman, but I mean, look at this. Right? This is, this is to protect you because life's going to throw them at you. Right? I'm here to tell you, youngsters, it's, it, it will. Right? And if, you're, if you don't have that faith and love and your breastplate of protection, which is your relationship with God, your Father, it can be difficult. And they can be fatal blows. And just in Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace... Oh, I'll get to that in a second. That's not, so there, there is a, see, this is what happens when you do this the first time. So there was, a, there was a quote from a guy, an author named John Eldridge, who writes a bunch of books about his relationship or your relationship with Christ in your heart, right? And one of the things he says in a book that he wrote in 2006 called Walk, Waking the Dead, The Glory of a Heart Fully Alive, he writes, the story of your life is the story of a long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. We should not be afraid of what we can be and could be because we're children of the Almighty on Father's Day. Right? So, and then I don't have one of these because these are hard to get and uh, they're very expensive. But the hope of salvation, Paul describes as a helmet. Right? Have you guys seen the helmet that either the military wear or the SWAT team wear, right? Why is it there? It's the same reason it's here. But you're, you know, Paul describes these two things as your hope and your love. It comes from your heart and the breastplate protects it. And your salvation comes from your mind and your brain and your head. Right? And that's why there's a helmet. And he calls that the helmet of your salvation. So let's just think of Ephesians 2.8 talks about salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. So keeping this up here, just these two, we encourage one another and build each other up, I thought were so important because the warning was that in the end that Jesus said, many are going to fall away. Like I think about that. Well, many who are in our churches, many of our but we, friends who profess will fall away in the end because it's going to get too rough. And I love that the two pieces, he calls a breastplate and a helmet, that these were the fatal blows. And the only thing that's going to save us, I think about, again, my Titanic analogy, was the life vest and a lifeboat. In the end, Jesus says, the only thing that will keep you from a fatal blow is salvation in me. It's the blood of Christ. 
It's having me as your covering. Your faith in Christ, we're saved by faith, not from our works. So in the end, it's that saving breastplate and then the hope of salvation. It's only in salvation through Jesus Christ that we're going to survive. But I love that we have to encourage each other and build each other up in the faith, reminding each other. You know, John had said all throughout history, there have been many times where we thought, oh, this is the end. I'm sure people were starting to think that concentration camps and World War II um, with this um, pandemic and what was happening, I'm sure people were thinking, my gosh, this is it. Um, I wonder if Jesus gave us this list because there are always going to be these signs. He wanted us to always live in expectancy of his return as though it's going to be tomorrow. And yet, just like on the Titanic, they became complacent. We've heard this message. Well, it didn't happen then. It didn't happen then. So it's not going to happen now. And yet Jesus wanted us always be thinking, it's going to come like a thief because that's what he told us. And watch for the signs because it's coming. And I think about that young boy that took the telegraph the first time and passed it up. What would he have done differently had he known what was happening in the future? My guess would be this, thought about that. He would not have passed it up through the chain of command and waited. He would have ran right to the captain himself. Wake up, wake up, wake up. He would have been warning everybody, get the lifeboats. We've got to do this. We've got to prepare. I'm sure most people would have thought he was a lunatic. Some people probably would have arrested him for his message, but I don't think it would have stopped them because he would know one life, if I could save one life, if I could save two, if I could save a family. And it really convicted me. Have we become complacent? How should we be living as though Christ is going to return? Have we gotten enough messages that we've just become complacent? Are we living as though it's tonight or it's tomorrow? We've written down, I know in our small group in various times, write down that person's name. I would say... <laughs> Now's the time, right? We don't want to get ahead of what God's doing, but man, he says the field is white for harvest and we need to get in the game. And I think he gave us these warnings for a reason. And he tells this church we need to encourage each other, build each other up. We need to keep reminding each other that the end could be tomorrow. And who are we reaching out to? Let's close, let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Um, your word so convicting Lord and I confess myself that I've lived in some complacency um, not the urgency thank you for your word it's sharp as a two-edged sword I pray that this week you would remind us continue to transform us Lord continue to Remind us to love and encourage one another and to build each other up in the faith. Give us the courage. As Mario said, what do we need to be better at? Making disciples, being transformed. God, give us the courage to do that with a sense of urgency. We thank you for these friends today and this beautiful morning that you've given us. We love you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.